brother. Good morning. I am thankful and humbled by the opportunity of sharing the word this morning. <clears throat> it's not something that I take lightly. It is, it is a, a great weight to, to have such, such a humbling a week prior to sharing God's word. And so I, I, am, I am very grateful and thankful for the opportunity. I'm thankful for the Lord in providing wisdom and discernment because there's no other word I choose to share this morning other than his own and to be able to share it with brothers and sisters. And so I'm thankful to the Lord. I'm thankful for you. Thankful for you, the church, the body. This is actually a two-part. We had started last week in emphasizing a particular 
placement by which we find ourselves. We are in the book of Ephesians, the letter to the church in Ephesus, written by Paul. If you have your Bibles this morning, I encourage you to go there this morning. If you don't have your Bibles, we have some pew Bibles provided for you. If you do not have a Bible of your own, please feel free to see me or one of our elders so that we make sure that you have the Word of God within your hands and that we do as the Scriptures tell us to do and to hide it within our hearts. This, this focus is preparation. Really all that, that Paul is writing to the church in Ephesus and the reminding of the position by which they hold and the identity by which they have, that it's all about preparation. And coming to the last chapter in this letter, we see the purpose and reason for the preparation. Is that there is a battle that is waging before us. One that our eyes do not always see, but our hearts feel. Our hearts feel this battle every single day with every word that is either spoken to us or every word that comes out of our mouth. For every action that is done before us or every action that we do ourselves, we feel and sense and know this battle that is taking place. And last week, we spent time looking at the enemy that we have before us. And today we begin looking at the detail, in detail, at the pieces of armor by which has been given to us so that we not only stand against the enemy, but we stand firm, planted on a true foundation. Paul tells us that we're in this battle with unseen forces of the spiritual world and that we must put on the full armor of God in order to hold our ground and to stand fast against the attack of our enemy. Then he lists the pieces of armor. There are six in all, comparing them to the armor of a Roman soldier, plus one secret weapon. You always got to have a secret weapon. With this being known, we must, as Paul has already mentioned in verses 10 and 11, and as he repeats in verse 13, to be strong in the Lord and in his might. To put on the full armor of God so that we'll be able to take our stand against the enemy. To wear what God has provided unto us for it is purposeful and it is beneficial to put on the full armor of God. It is real, it is necessary for the sole purpose of us, people of God, standing firm. I'd like to read this morning, so I'm going to start in verse 10 and read all the way to verse 20 this morning. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. In the context, we're coming up to this moment, speaking of the identity, the treasure that we have in Christ, the inheritance by which we are given. In all of this, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that my mouth may boldly proclaim the mystery of the gospel, to be open to share what is true. 
for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it as boldly as I ought to speak. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we do thank you for this day. We thank you for the provisions that you've given to us. We thank you for your word that is a lamp unto our feet and a light that guides our path. And Lord, as Paul was inspired by your spirit to share these words and the request and the petition to be bold in what you have provided, may we too be given a sense of boldness that what you have entrusted to us, Lord, we see its true value and that we hold it and we hold it well and that we stand firm for you, for your will. Please lead and guide us this morning in our study of your word. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I must confess this morning, the material that we have before us in these few verses, I I feel it a disservice to limit it to 35, 40 minutes this morning. And so as we are attempting to be mindful of the constraints of time, I want to ask for, for your attentive heart in knowing what the scriptures have to say and that this isn't just left here in this pulpit and it's not left there within the pews, but you take this with you. Please take this with you. There is so much beauty and treasure to be found within these few verses. We are only going to touch the surface. I I am not a big fan of sharing that I don't have enough time because in all reality, we have all the time in the world. We really truly do. And God's word is worthy, more than worthy of the time by which we have been given. And so as we approach the scriptures this morning, I wanted to, to put that within your mind that there is great treasure to be mined within the scriptures this morning. In reference as to what Paul is mentioning, we had talked last week in regards to this battle by which we are facing, that it is a real battle, it's a true battle, and that we have everything we need to do exactly what God has called us to do. Not just to be defensive, not just to be offensive, but to stand and to stand firm. One of the games that my brother and I used to play whenever we were younger was King of the Hill. Anyone played that game before? Uh, we are very blessed. We never broke any bones. Uh, he has stitches. He did have some teeth knocked out. But I have never suffered any ill like that. Well, we play this game, King of the Hill, and the whole purpose is to get to the top of the hill and to push your opponent off the hill to where you are remaining King of the Hill. And if you didn't have very good footing, what you would do would be rolling down the hill, head over feet. And it was not the position you wanted to have because it wasn't a position of authority. You wanted to be on top of that hill and to have the placement of king of the hill. Now, each and every one of us have been ordained by God as children of God. If you are a follower of Christ, you are a blood-bought, born-again believer. You are a child of God, and therefore, you have an identity, and that you are to stand not on a victory by which we obtain on our own, but the victory solely given through Jesus. He is our King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. And we stand with him. Romans chapter 8. We are more than conquerors with him. We are co-heirs with Christ. It is he to whom we look to. And it is by his power that we stand. 
And as Paul is inviting us this morning through the text to remember the identity we have and the position that we are supposed to hold, we are to clothe ourselves. In fact, the word that we see for our first piece of armor is that which is a fastening or the girding of this armor. In the referring of the whole armor of God, Paul invokes the image of a soldier ready for battle. And the first piece that he mentions here is the belt of truth. Verse 14, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. The belt of a Roman soldier in Paul's day was not simply a leather strap. It was not that of decoration. It wasn't used for adorning to be able to tie in together a wardrobe, which my wife had reminded me this morning, if you're wearing khakis, you need a brown belt. (laughs) I'm colorblind. Sometimes it doesn't work for me. But the Roman belt was more than just a piece of decorative cloth. It was made out of leather with a metal band, a protective piece hanging down in the front of it. The belt was the main piece of armor that held the rest of the armor in place because it's what everything else was connected to. And if your belt is firmly fastened around your waist, then every other piece of armor that's connected to it will also be firmly fastened around your body. And the belt that Paul relates to here, this attribute, is truth. Truth. I sat in a seminar for an hour and 20 minutes under the title, What is Truth? And for an hour and 20 minutes, the speaker never gave me a definition of what truth was. It was terrible. <laughs> Absolutely terrible. This is a crucial question, what is truth? There are several religions and beliefs of which we will give, that can give different answers to them. Conservatism, liberalism, humanism, Islam, Darwinism, Mormonism, Catholicism, Buddhism, all have an approach to an answer for this question, what is truth? How do you find out which one is actually true? How do we know that all the answers are essentially false? And this question can be extremely difficult with people everywhere left to themselves would never be able to answer it, but there is an answer. There's an absolute answer that is never changing and never fading. And the place that we go to find the answer to the question of what is truth is to the author of truth. For he explains it perfectly. What is truth? We need to reword our question. Who is truth? God is truth. He is absolute. He he is not changing. He is the same yesterday and today and forever. He is an absolute. When we look upon the scriptures, we see that he is creator, sustainer, ruler, and author of all things. He is the one that holds all things together. By him, all things have been created. Everything in regards to moral virtue, we see within the scripture as attributes of our God, of what it means to seek righteousness and holiness, to desire what is good and beautiful and true. And we have ingrained within us as we are created in the image of God, to discern between one or the other. It's when we decide to justify certain things to our own likings that truth becomes skewered. It becomes twisted. Because it, it's not what I want. 
And so I will push against what is true in order to make my own truth. And that's not, that's not true. God himself is truth. He is the revelation of truth. He has carefully supervised the whole process of the composition of his word so as to give us an answer as to what truth is. Truth is a firm foundation by which we stand upon that draws us to what is pure and good. Jesus, the word of God, who is truth, the way and the truth and the life. He is the living word, John 1.1. We have a reference as 